Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. Let's go ahead and get into our weekend of boxing because it's not that exciting. However, I want to get it out of the way because there are other things on the horizon, good stuff, and I'm going to be talking about those on this episode of what's coming after this bit of a drought with this weekend. So let's get these out of the way. This won't take too long. Today, out in Barcelona, we've got the return of the legendary... (laughs) Sorry, legendary. (laughs) I'm sorry. We got the return of Sander Martin. That's why I was laughing. Because, of course, Sander Martin, most well known for his absolute shocking upset of everybody's eye test at one time, Mikey Garcia. Sander Martin is returning. And Sander Martin, to his credit, he's raided by the ring. So I'm not trashing him. Just weird that he was able to pull that off. But Sander Martin, he's going to be in action coming back. Uh, against Jose Felix. This is a junior welterweight, uh, again, out in Barcelona. I have never heard, frankly, of Jose Felix. Uh, So I don't know whether to rate him. I know that Sandor Martin, I certainly do not rate that guy worth a nothing. Um, He did what he needed to do, and that's fine, but it's. I think he's flashing the pan. I think that win was more about Mikey not showing up, as has been the case on constant occasions for whatever reason, ever since the Spence dominant loss, he just has not shown up. So I don't rate Sander Martin at all. I'm not going to tell you that Sander Martin is a quality or top tier. I would say he's a C level. That's decent. That's my opinion. That doesn't mean that he didn't have sparks of brilliance, but let's be honest. He gets destroyed by anybody else, not named Mikey Garcia. So I looked at Jose Felix a little bit. I completely don't rate him. He's not, Highly regarded. Uh, Seems like he's one of those that has power and not much else. Looks like he's been in the business for quite a while. Looks like about 23 years-ish. Or actually, excuse me, 13 years-ish. He's only 29 years old. So he's he's been in the business for a while, though. Fighting, and he hasn't had stellar performances. Um, He's not fought anybody highly regarded. Uh, the only one I can call out, well, there's probably two, but the only one I, I would personally rate as anything close would be Isak Cruz, which he fought back in 2018. The other one that I said, I'm not sure that I really truly rate it per se, but I guess it counts, is uh, he fought a guy named, what was the guy's name? Marcos Villasana. That was in same year, 2018. Um, I, I the reason I say I can't really rate that is because Villasana they were kind of equal in terms of record, but Villasana at least had the notoriety of a win streak going into that fight. Villasana hadn't really fought very many people. I don't think he fought anybody that I would even know. He mostly fights out of they they mostly fight out of uh, Spain. So I don't or Mexico. Sorry, Spain, Mexico. So I don't really rate him and I don't rate the guys he fought. Isak Cruz is kind of the the benchmark here. And of course we saw what Isak Cruz was able to do against tank. Isak Cruz completely destroyed Jose Felix. Given what we see of Sandor Martin and the fact that again, he's not really that highly rated. He really isn't. He doesn't have that much knockout streak. He doesn't, he hasn't fought anybody of note other than Mikey. Really my suspicion. I don't even know if it's worth predicting this one, but I'll say, my prediction in this fight is that Sandor Martin is able to completely destroy this uh, Jose Felix dude, and it's an easy, soft touch. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw 
something similar to Nassim Hamed and Saeed Lawal in the destruction because I don't rate Sander Martin, but I certainly don't rate Jose Felix worth nothing from what I can tell. Samuel Carmona versus Joel, uh, Joel, Joel, Joel Cordova. Junior Bantamweight action. This is in the same card. Don't know, don't rate either guy. Not going to spend too much time on that one. And then out in Italy, in Santa Marinella, Emiliano Marsili versus Frank Uricaga. This is a lightweight, 12 rounds. Don't know either guy. Not going to waste your time on that one. The big one, the big news. This is happening tomorrow out in Newcastle, England. Savannah Marshall. Savannah Marshall is currently, arguably, arguably, one of the, if not the top rated female fighters in the business. She's going to be in action against Femke Hermans. And I don't know anything about Femke Hermans, but Femke Hermans is highly regarded. The, the challenge with the women is they could be highly regarded, but they're always against like scrubs, you know, like housewife type opponents. So this is, this is going to be for uh, the WBO title at middleweight and it positions Savannah and Savannah is widely expected to destroy Femke Hermans. I will say this though, because while it's true from what we can tell that this is what should happen, that, that Marshall should just simply run right through Femke Hermans. I took a little bit of a deeper look at Femke Hermans's record. So I wanted to understand, is this another housewife? What the deal? What's going on? The one thing I'll say stands out about Femke Hermans is that she was most known, in my opinion, most known for going the full distance against Clarissa Shields in 2018. So I would expect then that she's durable. I would expect that she's rugged. I would expect that she's tough and hard to get out of there. That's my expectation because Clarissa should have been able to take her out. Now it was a blowout. As far as like a dominant, it wasn't even like 10 rounds to Clarissa. It wasn't even competitive. But the point is, I would I would expect that Femke Hermans is just tough. Like she's hard to get out. And where I'm going with that is that if it's true that, yes, she's just a rugged, tough fighter and she's out of Belgium, I would expect that Savannah Marshall, to make a statement, should work to try to get this lady out of there. Get her out of your face. Send a statement to Savannah. Hey, look. I did what you couldn't do, which is take this person out where nobody's been able to take her out. And I was the first to take her out. Send that statement, send the message that you're able to take her out. Why do I think Savannah can do that? Remember Savannah Marshall is the one that was able to take out people like Hannah Rankin, Hannah Rankin at the time that those two fought Hannah Rankin had, I don't think she had been stopped. I don't think she'd ever been stopped. So, so Savannah was the first to stop her. Like, that's the message. Like, if I were building a, a promotional around Savannah Marshall, that's what I would build is I'm going to be the one to be the first to stop these people. Now, she's not stopped everybody. There were two women she didn't stop. But everybody else, she stops them. And I would build that as a promotional message is that she's going to go out there and she's going to get a stoppage against anybody she's in the ring with going forward. That's going to be her mantra. And then set the stage for Clarissa if she's able to take out Hermans by stoppage, which I'd like to see, knockout or stoppage, if she's able to do that, send that, market that, push that. Savannah, I'm going to be the first to stop you. Not just beat you, stop you. Now you got a compelling fight. Again, we're talking throwback because the women's boxing, it's it's slipped off. It's slipped off and largely you got women like Katie Taylor, Heather, the Heat Hardy, 
uh, Savannah Marshall, Clarissa, you got a few select ones that have kind of helped keep it going, but it's, it's easily on life support. If we say that boxing's on the decline, which it isn't really, there's a lot happening in boxing. It's still thriving. It's just, it's more regional now than it used to be. It's not the mainstream spectacle it used to be unless there's certain guys or gals, but on the women's side, it's nowhere close to what it used to be. So I think if they can market it correctly and if Marshall can do it and get Herman's out of there before the 10th round, it sends a huge message, a huge message that she's at the top of the game where she's not had a lot of fights. She's not been in it very long. She's a little bit on the older side. And when it's the women, it's harder the older you get versus the men. Like she's 30 right now. If you were a guy and you're 30, you're kind of in your prime. If you're a woman and you're in your 30s, you're kind of slightly declining ever slightly. Now, the, to be fair, she started late. She started in 27, uh, Marshall. She started in 2017. So she's only been at it six years coming up, six years. So she's, she's young-ish in damage to the body, right? How many fights she's been in? She's only had 11 fights. So she hasn't had a lot of fights, but it still takes a toll on you. And I would like to see... My call is that she can get a stoppage on Femke Hermans before, get it before the 10th, get a stoppage, get a knockout, do something to send a statement to Clarissa Shields. Then that fight gets that much bigger because now Clarissa Shields, who at least in boxing side is arguably at the top, quote unquote. Now you can set the the narrative that, yeah, you're there now, but I'm about, I'm coming for you and I'm going to be the first to stop you. Now that's a huge, huge fight. Now let's be honest, in terms of general resume, it's not close. Clarissa Shields clearly, clearly has the better resume because she stylistically, from a boxing perspective, she's just able to outbox people like crazy. But if you didn't see, she got completely destroyed in MMA because she said she called herself the greatest athlete or greatest woman athlete, quote, and then goes to MMA and gets destroyed. I think it was her second fight. Comes running back to boxing. That's okay. She at least tried it. Respect for trying it. But now she's going up against somebody that's actually truly dangerous. Like she fought quality opponents. Let's be clear. Christina Hammer was a quality opponent for her. Marie DeCare was a quality opponent for her. She fought quality opponents. I'm not dismissing the opponents. I'm saying that when you look at the way that they're winning these fights clarissa is winning because she's stylistically better than the opponent savannah marshall is winning because she's getting she's knocking them out or stopping them more often than she's not savannah marshall if we're honest she's the one that you could promote better than you could promote clarissa shields clarissa shields is she's marketed right she's marketed because of her skill great no problem with it Clarissa Shields is slightly younger. Clarissa Shields has been in the business roughly the same amount of time, a little bit longer as a pro. But if you're going after excitement, if you're going after reigniting what boxing fans used to love about the sport, you're cheering for Savannah Marshall. That's not a ding on Clarissa. That's to say Savannah Marshall to date has done what Savannah has failed to do or what Clarissa has failed to do which is get them out of there and in many cases be the first to do so. So with Savannah, I say it again, I think her job is to get him Herman's out of there, get a stoppage, get a knockout, be the first to do it. 
if I'm there, if I'm her promotional company, her management company, I am promoting this woman is going to get the stoppage on Clarissa Shields when they get in the ring and be the first to do it in spectacular fashion. And she's the most dangerous opponent that you've ever faced. And now you got something there. Now you got a truly compelling fight to be made. And I'm pretty sure those two are like the number one and number two in the world at middleweight. I'm pretty sure that's the case. So that will be an exciting fight, but Marshall's got to get past Herman's first. I don't know that I'll be able to watch that fight, but that one's going to be exciting for those. If you're in Newcastle and you want to check it out, I think that one's worth your time. Absolutely. Uh, same card, I believe. Florian Marku versus Chris Jenkins. Don't know either guy. That's at welterweight. Nathan Gorman and Scott Alexander at heavyweight. Don't know either guy. I briefly heard of Nathan Gorman, but don't follow that. Out in Chihuahua, Mexico. Yamalet Mercado versus Zelina Munoz. Uh, this is a bantamweight uh, fight. Or excuse me, it's a junior featherweight. Well, it's the same, but junior featherweight fight. WBC title. I think this is a fight worth watching. And even though I don't follow these two guys specifically, I'll tell you why I think it's worth watching. So I mentioned about the, the little guys. The little guys don't get enough attention. They don't get the same they don't get the same exposure like the bigger guys because it's always been around the heavyweights and sorry, they're women. I apologize to both of them. They don't get the exposure that the, so when I say guys, I'm just, you know, I'm not saying guys as in men, I'm saying guys as in people. So that's my fault. But the little people, the, the, the lesser weight classes don't get the exposure that they deserve. I don't think but they're usually the ones that actually give you the fights that are the most exciting. In this case, even though it's it's that kind of a fight where it's lower weight classes, I don't think it's going to move the needle as far as like an all-time classic or anything, but I do know that the women in particular do tend to go out there and throw off for the fences. So if nothing else, it'd be an exciting fight. Some common opponents to pay attention to, most recent, I think just prior to this actually, and there may have been some schedule changes that I'm going to be confirming here soon because I'm seeing some weirdness. But most recent for Mercado is she fought Amanda Serrano. That was just last year. And she lost that by decision. She went the distance. She lost by decision. It wasn't a close decision. She got pretty much dominated. But it's Amanda Serrano. <laughs> Amanda Serrano's only ever lost one time. So I can't hold that necessarily against her. Mercado's still regarded as one of the top women in boxing right now she's a very good fighter she's been in the business about seven years ish and she's still young so she's still got room to grow i think she just i think it was just a step up fight too soon to take that serrano fight she's had a couple of the losses but she's never been stopped never been knocked out and she's had a decent streak of of wins i think she's one that she you should watch if you're interested in the women definitely watch mercado and then Zelina Munoz. Now, here's the here's where it starts to get weird. Apparently, there was a change. They were supposed to fight number four, um, Mercado's number four, ranked. And she was supposed to fight Munoz, who's ranked at a different weight class, and there was supposed to be a catch weight. Apparently, they changed it, and they're going to be going with Isis uh, Vargas Perez. And that's going to be in this event. And Perez is completely unknown, completely unregarded. I don't know if Munoz pulled out or what happened. Munoz had fought Perez back in 2021 and 
Munoz beat Perez. So it made sense that you would have Munoz now face Mercado, but apparently that Munoz is not going to be fighting, and I'm not sure why. So you've got Perez stepping in, and Perez I do not rate at all. It's a, it's a soft touch. It's easily a soft touch. And it seems like Perez has been fed to some of the stronger competition, meaning that she's like that soft touch for many people. So maybe that's what it is, but I'm not sure why. The, I don't know why the change happened at the last minute. I don't have that answer. That's still happening tomorrow, though. Apparently it's still on the, on the docket for tomorrow. In Puebla, Mexico, Julian uh, Avila versus Mayeli Flores. Bantamweight, I don't rate this fight specifically um, because it's dealing with, this is one of those soft touch, like it's a blatant, I don't want to say cherry picks, that's not fair, but it's a blatant soft touch type fight where you've got a very well-traveled fighter in Avila and she's fighting essentially a prospect in Flores. Now we've seen in the past that sometimes those prospects show up and they're able to shock the world. Flores, and these are women, Flores, I'm not going to say she's a terrible fighter. She hasn't really fought anybody other than Munoz and uh, Jessica Castillo. I'll rate her. Uh, Other than that, she hasn't really fought too many people. But at the same time of who she's fought, she's beaten them. So she beat Munoz and she beat Castillo, Jessica Castillo. So it could be one of those situations where you have that prospect level fighter who just shows up Shocks the world and gets that win. That is possible. But the reason I don't rate it is because if I'm looking at levels, if I'm looking at just resume and level and time in the game and the business and Avila, Avila's been in the game for, I want to say like 11 years. She started really young. She started, I think she even started before she was 18. Like I think she's been, she's been in forever. So she's got so much freaking experience. But the problem is, is that Avila's record, it's, I don't want to say padded, but I can't come up with a better word (laughs) because it's like, she's fought absolute, she's fought people that it's obvious she should beat them. It's a clearly padded record. And then every time she stepped up, she struggled a little bit. That's not to say she's not a good fighter because again, she's been doing it a long time and she's highly rated, but I'm not sure this fight with the Flores doesn't move the needle because it can only go one of two obvious ways. Either Flores shocks and just completely dominates and stops her, which I think is the strongest probability, ironically, that this prospect stops her because she's been kind of protected, Avila, or Avila gets a sketchy win. And this is Mexico, by the way, so they're not strangers to sketchy wins, right? So I don't even know if I want to watch the fight because I get so frustrated seeing where it's obvious that this fight should not happen from, from the records and from the pedigrees and the backgrounds, this fight shouldn't happen. You got one that's just been completely coddled and guarded and protected against an up and coming prospect that appears to be a significant threat, but still is a prospect. It just feels like a fight that shouldn't really happen. Um, That's my opinion on it. I hold to that out in Vienna. Marcos Nader versus Martin Azamanjan at middleweight. I don't rate this fight. Not going to really cover it. As I said, I don't personally rate the fights this weekend. However, if you are a boxing fan and you do follow every single box, you catch every single boxing event, you want to see all these, that's the breakdown. 
And to me, if I had to point out a fight that I think would be the worth the price of admission, I'll just say the fight that I think would stand out, it's going to be Savannah Marshall versus Femke Hermans. I think that one's going to be the one that, that showcases boxing, true boxing. Sandor Martin, Jose Felix is probably going to be decent good for as long as it lasts. I don't know how long it lasts. Third would be this um, uh, Mercado because Mercado, now that the Mercado is, uh, the opponent swapped out, now it means that she's not fighting somebody that's equal. So she's going to be fighting somebody that's a late replace. And as we said before, sometimes late replaces show up and they shock the world. So there could be something there. And then fourth would be Avila and Flores. And then I would suspect that Flores is going to destroy Avila because Avila's got a protected record or Avila's going to get some kind of a robbery win that's not deserved because she's been so well protected. All my theory, I can only provide theories and predictions based on what I see, but that's our weekend of boxing. As I said, very uninteresting. Now let's wrap up with what's coming because this is what, this is the price of admission. I'm not going to go deep into it. I'm just going to surface level. Of course, the big news that you heard, June is going to be Cambosis versus Haney. That's signed, sealed, and delivered. They've already started the pressers and the trash talk, and I would argue, from my opinion, Cambosis wins the trash talk as the A-side that he is. He's basically level-setting that he's the A-side. Devin Haney did a good showing of himself, but I think we need to really analyze that one deeper and get as we get closer to the fight i am definitely going to do so coming up april 9th th- this is next week ryan garcia versus emmanuel tagoi at lightweight in san antone great fight i think tagoi is going to provide just enough of a threat for garcia to find out if he's really back or if he's still crying so i think that's going to be worth watching that one Marlon Esparza versus Naoko Fujioka. That one is going to be a hell of a fight. Flyweight action. It's a unification, a little bit of a unification. It's not all titles, but it is a unification of a couple titles. (laughs) If you want to see action, these two are going to give you action because they're the the top rated at flyweight. Not super fly, but flyweight. They're the top rated. Naoko Fujioka is another one that is a standout fighter specifically. And then Esparza. He's been doing excellent stuff. Again, I'm not going to go deep into it here. I'm telling you it's a great fight to watch. When we get close to that one, I'm going to be doing some analysis on that one. George Rincon versus Alejandro Frias. Junior welterweight action. I don't rate either guy. I'm aware of Rincon. And I suspect that that one's going to be a decent fight, not a great fight. But it will be something possibly worth watching. Out in Satama, Japan on zone. These are both on zone, by the way. Those uh, events, San Antonio and then Japan. So they're probably going to do some kind of a simulcast deal. But Satama Japan, the return of Gennady Golovkin, Mr. Big Dramajo versus Ryota Murata. Middleweight action, Golovkin's title's on the line, Murata's title's on the line. Many people speculate that Golovkin's going to run through Murata, that Murata's too stiff and he's there to be hit. I don't agree. I think this is going to be a toss-up. I think Murata's going to be there. He's going to be game because Murata, he's solid. He may not be this excellent elite, but he's certainly a solid fighter. We can't dismiss him as a fighter. Golovkin is highly regarded, but it's because of his fights, uh, mostly against Canelo. If we look at his fight against Derevchenko, he didn't look all that special. If you look at his fight against Jacobs, he didn't look all that special. So we know that there's some decline in Gennady, and we have to look at that decline compared to Murata. Murata is nowhere near on the same level decline. 
and we have to look at motivations. Golovkin's got his mind on the Canelo third fight. So we have to see how that plays in a factor. I, I think it's going to be competitive. I think that's going to be a hell of a fight. And we're going to see something surprising by the time it's done. Yunto Nakatani versus Ryota Yamauchi. Flyweight title for Nakatani's WBO. This one, of course, positions for the winner to hopefully unify against the winner of Aspars and Fujioka. Excellent fight. Yamauchi, I don't highly rate him, but he's up and coming, and I think he's had some decent success in the past. Nakatani, this, this Nakatani, I think there's going to be something there in the future for him. I think that's going to be an exciting fight. I think it's going to be a barn burner. Classic, possibly. And then Shishiro Yoshino versus Masuki Ito at lightweight. That one's going to be a hell of a fight as well. Don't rate the guys, but I know that the it sets the stage for lightweight uh, supremacy in the future, especially fresh off finding out with Cambosis and Haney where we go with the lightweight division. We got some more contenders there. Then on the ESPN side, and there's a lot happening next week, so I'm I'm trying to go as quickly as I can because I don't want to spend too much time on it. But on ESPN, out in Costa Mesa in California here in the, in the U.S., Michaela Mayer comes back as the champion. She's pound-for-pound pound level. She's going against Jennifer Hahn. Jennifer Hahn is a highly rated opponent. This is at junior lightweight. For the women's side, Michaela Mayer obviously has, she doesn't need an introduction. She doesn't need anybody explaining who she is or what she's about. I suspect this one's going to be a decently good fight. I don't expect it's going to be exciting overall because I think that Mayer's going to be too much for Jennifer Hahn is my guess. Giovanni Santillian versus Giovannis Barraza. I, at welterweight, don't know either guy, can't rate either guy, but any new fresh blood in the welterweight division is always good. Out in Vegas, this is on Showtime now, Erickson Lubin versus Sebastian Fundora, junior middleweight action. People have talked about this fight intermittently. I don't think it moves the needle, frankly. We're talking two highly rated guys, but it's not like, it's. I would say Lubin would be the standout visually. I'm talking in the ring, but I don't think the fight moves the needle in junior middleweight action for 150 in uh, 154. Tony Harrison versus Sergio Garcia, junior middleweight action. This one, I think, is going to be an exciting fight, mostly because Sergio Garcia, I don't rate him, but I think there's something there. And against a guy like Tony Harrison, it could tell us a lot about the new blood coming into 154. Out in Holstbro, Denmark, uh, Deanna Torsland versus Njorkis Gareno. Bantamweight action for Torsland's WBO title. I'm pretty sure this is a women's fight, but I'm not sure. Don't know either. Uh, Torsland is highly rated, but I don't know either. When I get closer to the fight, I will do some analysis just to make sure that I give them a fair run-through of the fight. In London, Gavin Gwynn versus Luke Willis at lightweight action. Don't know either guy, but tells us about new blood coming into lightweight. Sultan Zarbek versus Haitiam Lamuz at junior lightweight. Don't know either guy. And then at um, Tepic, Mexico, Angel Lardesbal versus Christopher Rosales at flyweight. Christopher Rosales, I'm aware of. Flyweight action is always good. Tells us about the new blood coming into that division. Then there's an off-cycle fight happening on Tuesday that week out in Tokyo. That's Keita Ibarra versus Yuki Nagano, and that's welterweight action. I don't rate either person. I don't think that one's going to move the needle too much. And then the week after that is where we really start ramping up because that's where you're starting to get Errol Spence versus Jordanius Ugas, hell of a fight. People are sleeping on Jordanius Ugas, and they shouldn't. Butea versus Stan Jonas at welterweight. I don't rate either guy, but it's still going to be exciting, so I think they're going to be throwing for the fences. 
Conor Ben versus Chris Van Heerden. People have crapped on Conor Ben for taking the fight. Chris Van Heerden's no slouch. He's no slouch, and it's a good test. It's a good moderate step up for Conor Ben. Chris Billum Smith versus Thomas McCarty. Don't know either guy. Don't rate him. Uh, Farouk Karanov versus Zelfa Barrett, the junior lightweight. Don't rate either guy. Francesco Patera, I'm aware of. Sam Molina's kind of on the outs at lightweight. Doesn't really move the needle. But we're starting to get unifications as the year goes in. We're starting to get more unifications, which is always a good thing. This weekend's just going to be a little bit dry. But if you're into just watching every boxing event, I broke down the ones I think are worth your time. Check that out if you do. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to check any of these out. So you probably won't hear from me until next week.